Hey beautiful soul, this is the Menopause Coach Podcast with me, your host, Adele Johnston. I'm helping you create a vibrant life of joy and happiness without your menopause stealing your personal power and sass. Together, we're making menopause mainstream. But unfortunately, these discussions relating to women's bodies and health have not been immune to censorship. And some of these social media platforms have been majorly criticised for suppressing content and majorly suppressing the content that addresses women's health issues, deeming it to be, quote unquote, inappropriate or offensive. Welcome to an empowering episode driven by complete fierceness this week. You will hear it in my tone, I am sure of it. We are here for another episode then of the Menopause Coach Podcast with me, your host, Adele Johnston. And this is the week where I will be summarising some key thoughts of my own from the past week, given that I was extremely blessed to have hosted a full weekend of connection into women's events. On Friday, I hosted my Business Women's Mastermind, the Success Circle, on, get this, a 130-foot luxury yacht in Manchester in the UK. Now, I know some of you may be thinking, what the actual F, Adele? How, how can you host on a yacht in Manchester in November? Was it not freezing? Well, no, it wasn't. It was beautiful. It was very well decorated. The owner is an interior designer, so looked lush and we had the heating on full blast. So yes, we were all good with lots of blankets, which felt super abundant and majorly cosy. What better way to plan out business and to look at what 2024 is going to bring in with excitement and projects. So that felt beautiful, really, really beautiful. Then on Saturday, I hosted Connect and Empower Live with my team, which was really really powerful, very empowering, very connective, exactly what it was meant to do. But I think I massively underestimated just how powerful this event was going to be and the ripple effect that it would have. Now, this was a women's in-person event to bring together menopause and women's health advocates and experts in the field and open up for panel discussions on key topics that we as women, as human beings want to know about. And I think what really came from this So I'm still getting messages on how powerful and incredible that whole weekend was and actually how we are really not familiar with how things are inside each of the women's health areas that we are maybe individually battling through and facing. So I'm going to split this episode into three segments so that I can keep my own brain structured and not lose you inside my sidetracked moments. I'm hoping that we can get to all three of these segments and if we don't, I will be doing another episode. I plan on actually bringing in one of them into way more detail in a single episode with a guest expert. So we'll talk a little bit about that at the end of this show's episode. So without further ado, I am here to bring this episode to you and we're going to look at it through segment number one initially. And I'd like to share with you my thoughts on breaking the taboos inside women's health and empowerment space. So sit back and relax or if you're out on steps for health, I feel you, I see you, enjoy this. I want to discuss with you societal stigma that surrounds our bodies as women and our body parts. I know you know what's going to come through that. 
I want to highlight any of the really nuanced areas of this, but also the, the censorship that we as women inside this space, as you know, content creators, as individuals that are educating inside women's health space, face on social media. And how it actually really perpetuates the notion that discussing women's health is still taboo. And I want to emphasise the importance of breaking down these barriers for the sake of our health as women, but not just health, our happiness. And it's a big, big part of everything that I do is around happiness. Of course, a positive psychology coach, of course that comes in there. So let's start with societal stigma that surrounds women's bodies and our body parts. And we've we get it, right? We get that in some cultures, in some societies, in some existences, we have this deeply ingrained stigma that surrounds discussions about women's bodies and we don't mention those various body parts. And that stigma can manifest itself in so many different forms. It can come from those kind of, like I said, cultural taboos and bringing in a bit more of the we just don't talk about these things, so please don't bring it up debate or discussion. But what happens here is, and we have to consider whether this is in fact appropriate or not, that women for many generations have faced shame. We have faced shame around needing help, around asking for help, around staying silent, staying small, and the judgment for speaking up openly about their bodies, um, reproductive health, sexuality, um, reproductive organs that are maybe feeling not great and needing some help, and not being able to really express that without feeling the need to dampen it down. So this is one that I feel really strongly about that was really discussed openly, beautifully on panel with a beautiful panel guest expert host. It was really, really it triggered a lot. It sparked a lot of conversation. It sparked a lot of debate and question. And I think that what's come up for me on this is we still have stigma that surrounds women's bodies. And I know we shouldn't have it, but the truth of the fact is we still do. And it extends to major parts of our bodies as women, such as the vulva and vagina. And the lack of open dialogue that we have around these areas of our body can lead to so much misinformation. Yeah, it should not hold shame and that general lack of understanding about the natural functions of our bodies as women. It just blows my mind that we cannot say my vulva's sore. And we have to then think about how this contributes to a cultural norm of silence, how again women are made to be small, to remain silent, to be quiet, to stop the exchange of really crucial discussions and sharing of information related to our health and well-being, which without that, what is the point? What is the point in us being able to say I'm living a true, healthy, happy, vibrant, non-vulnerable life? So it just, it really triggers something inside me where I find that I'm kind of up there on my high horse saying this is not okay. So I want to know what do you think about this? Where do you stand with all of this? I fully get that you may be in a culture or you maybe have had an upbringing where using the word vulva and vagina are just not part of your family dynamics and discussion and vocabulary. And I want to be here to ask why, why we cannot be the the generation of women that can stand forward and say, well, I have no shame. I have no embarrassment. This is part of my body, like my hand and my arm and my foot. And when it's sore, I will be able to say my vulva is sore or my vagina feels sore rather than 
not been able to openly talk about it and find that we still hold shame around these areas deemed as taboo on and inside of our body. Now, when was the last time that you actually used the word vulva or vagina rather than a nickname like a nunu or a flower or a tutu? We hear it all and, you know, I'm being guilty for this when my girls were little and they were growing up, not understanding the true nature of being normalising with body parts by being able to say, this is your hand, not your hoo-ha. This is your foot, not your doofer. This is your vulva on the outside, not your nunu. And I know that this might be making you feel a little bit like, oh my gosh, Adele. We have all been there and we've all created different names, some of them really truly made up, to be able to express those parts of our bodies. But I'm here to ask you one thing and one thing only from this segment of the episode today. As if you do nothing else, let's call it vulva and vagina, please. Segment number two. The censorship on social media. Now, this was something that I have experienced myself, but wasn't truly aware of the extent of how bad it actually is in keeping our voices small and removing the content that is very educational and supportive until I heard from Dr. Aziza Sese, who is a beautiful doctor inside the women's health space, and she shared some stories with us. Now, in the age of social media, we are here, we're in the thick of it can be really, really advantageous inside the women's health space to really share some key information far and wide. But a lot of these platforms have this immense influence over the public disclosure. And this is why a lot of people, and especially, you know, within the content creation space, are really favouritising using TikTok, for example, because all of our information is shared regardless. Um, that's up for a different level of debate, of course, because there are probably a lot of things that get shared on there that we deem not to be appropriate to be on those sites. However, we're not here for that debate and discussion on this episode. But unfortunately, these discussions relating to women's bodies and health have not been immune to censorship. And some of these social media platforms have been majorly criticised for suppressing content and majorly suppressing the content that addresses women's health issues, deeming it to be, quote unquote, inappropriate or offensive. Hmm. And the censorship of such content like this, it really, really, really angers a lot of us inside this empowerment space because it perpetuates the notion that discussing women's health and really going into that discussion around it is not allowed, is taboo, should be removed and not allowed to be out there in the open ethra to be discussed. It annoys me. And this has such a detrimental effect on a lot of women's access to accurate information, to support and to that community. And it's needed. All of those things are vital. So by limiting these conversations about women's bodies, by these platforms contributing to the, the kind of continuation that we shouldn't talk about this and the word vulva cannot be said without being censored out. This was my experience. Having done many videos and lives, a lot of my captions will be censored out if I use the word vagina or vulva, and that's not okay. Now, Dr. Sacy had spoken on stage on Saturday and for m multiple different shares had highlighted that she has had many of her posts removed quite often because she uses the correct anatomy language and wording for the vulva and vagina areas of the female body. 
And social media platforms don't like that. We need to go and ask them why, right? And it just gives it a whole host of unacceptable behaviour when Dr. Sacy then has to make the consideration and decision around, do I need this piece of information to reach all the women that follow me so that they can be empowered in knowledge? And if that's the case, then she has to make the hard decision around, do I put V, then space, then Ulva, so that we don't get captured into, oh, there's the word vulva and we need to take this post down? Or do we really try to not perpetuate the situation anymore by playing into that and just use the word vulva. And this is a decision that a lot of us as content creators inside this space have to make decisions around on how we can really use those words in a way that we can manipulate and negotiate our way into being seen and heard by those that need it. So this is our world, ladies and gentlemen. Like it or not, we have to look at ways that we can get around this. And it starts with us opening up and using the correct body anatomy language. Number three, breaking down barriers for women's health and happiness. And I like to always say health and happiness because they are really important and go hand in hand. So if we break down the barriers surrounding discussions on women's bodies, it is super crucial. We need to do that. It's a must. And I know it's not going to be easy where we've maybe got cultures and it's the norm not to discuss this. But we need it. We need to open the conversations. We need to create safe spaces where women can share their experiences, ask for advice and access accurate information about their body's health. We need to break the silence. Yeah, we, we need to be part of dispelling the myths that surround some really bogus information out there that's just like, Jesus, how does this even get out? We need to challenge these quote-unquote norms yeah the taboos that surround a lot of this language and we need to promote a more inclusive and supportive society for us as women not just for us but for the future generations to come I heard somewhere that it can take up to seven generations before we really make the cultural changes and it just becomes normal I mean imagine a world where the children that we have in our future generations are just waking up and calling it vulva, vagina without any type of, ooh, don't know if I should say that. I might just whisper it. I might just point at it. I might not say the word. I might call it something different like flower because that sounds a little bit more socially acceptable. Wild. Absolutely blows my mind. So we can encourage open dialogue. We can empower women. We can empower girls to make informed decisions about their health, their bodies, and foster that sense of control around what we want for us. Full empowerment. And if we can shift that, yeah, I think some people will say, Adele, yeah, it's great. You know, it's like one of these things where we say, on paper, that reads beautifully. But in reality, whoo, that's many generations of change. But someone has to start that. We can't just all sit and say, yes, well, you know, beautiful if it happens in the future. Be the future. Start the language today shift, make the shifts, be transparent, be open. The more you say the word vulva and vagina, the less embarrassed you will become. And I have a really good story to share on this. And Alex, if you're listening to this episode, I salute you. So Alex, Alex is an amazing human being. Alex has been interviewed on the podcast already. And he plays a really core role within a male mental health and suicide prevention charity called Andy's Man Club. 
Now, when I first met Alex, we chatted a bit over social media after he found the podcast and it really changed his life and his partner's happiness, which is lovely, incredible. So we met for coffee and sitting across the table from Alex, we were open in conversation about menopause and I openly was using the correct anatomy language and Alex did get a little bit uncomfortable. Now, Alex holds crocheted versions of vaginas and vulvas and openly talks about this. A lot can happen when we just start the change. So if Alex as a male can do this, each and every one of you listening to this can do this. Make the shift. Understand that it's not only beneficial for us as individuals, as women, but also contributes to that broader cultural shift. Okay, we get to challenge societal norms. We get to really remove that stigma and, in a way, discrimination that follows. So breaking down these barriers is so essential as a step towards creating a society that respects and values women's health. Yeah, we get to foster this beautiful, vibrant, respected environment where women can truly thrive physically, emotionally, mentally, spiritually. Yeah, like, wow, that's where I want to be. I want all of you to feel this. I want you as a collective to reshape the societal attitudes that we seem to have circling. We need to dismantle those taboos. They're not okay. Building a world where we get to have open discussions about our bodies, meeting that with understanding, meeting that with love, meeting that with support and compassion for each other, and knowing that it's not shameful. Oh, I got a bit carried away there. <laughs> but love it equally. Here to share it, here to provoke thoughts, here to provoke emotion, here to share with you what I'm so passionate about. And for too long, women have suffered in silence. I think when we think back to even historically women having faced numbers of challenges and even just openly discussing their health issues, this wasn't done. You know, the norms and way back when the suffragettes and Emily Pankhurst <laughs> would fight for freedom and really help us women to stand tall, loud and proud. And, you know, we had a lot of casualties through all of that. We still do. And it's not okay. It's not okay that we still have these cultural taboos. We've talked about these gender biases that are contributing to the silencing of women and our health that women often feel discouraged from even speaking out about their body experiences or issues. And we find that even when we do turn up and have that confidence to make the GP appointment, that the lack of understanding on that side of things and, you know, not a lot of empathy can leave us feeling very dismissed. And that's not okay. So when we find that women do open up and ask for help, we're often dismissed, being made to feel silly, the whole pain issues, take a few painkillers, come back if things don't get better, use a hot water bottle, have some sleep, rest up. Again, not okay. And the historical silence that we've gone through with all of this is, it needs to end now. So with me sharing all of this, there are consequences of the silence continuing. And for generations to come, we get to be the generation of change. We get to be the generation that not only changes the education and awareness of menopause, but also of women's health and appreciate that there is this ongoing effort to break the silences, to foster open conversations between us all. How many times have you been dismissed? 
when you've gone to the GP or you've been seeking support and you just know something isn't right with your body, but you're told that it's normal and it's not. So these are all things we need to consider. Being a mum to young teenage girls right now, I've been doing a bit of work with them around their periods and their menstrual health. And one of the most prevalent examples of this is women suffering in silence from the normalisation of painful periods. Pain for that duration, that severity is not normal. And having a discussion today with a member of my team, she'd said, you know, when I was young, I used to have to come home from school, would regularly feel very unwell, feel sicky, faint. The pain was just too much to bear that I would have to go to bed with strong pain relief. That isn't normal and it shouldn't have been normalised for that generation of women. And it was normalised for my generation as well. And I'm 40. So, you know, that's not old. (laughs) So it does have profound effects on women's lives and happiness. And we should not be enduring debilitating pain without seeking support and attention. And it's not normal that painful periods are a thing. So suffering is not okay. The pain that we experience should be heard, seen and dealt with. And we get to look at how this influences how women perceive their reproductive health. It can absolutely exasperate some feelings towards bodies, physically and emotionally, when we are in pain. So I want some open dialogue about this. I want you to ask questions, challenge, discuss. I wish that when I was a teenager, I knew what I know now and things would have been different for me. But I'm super glad that I know what I know now and things can be different for my daughter's generations and further. So we get to look at this from a personal experience. Each of you listening to this now, I'm sure, have got your own notions and feelings and thoughts coming through from this. I have mine and you've heard them. But as women, we don't need to struggle in silence. It's so critical that we share personal stories, that we help to educate and teach each other And that we can see this as, yes, each of our health journeys can be unique, but by sharing these conversations and experiences, we can really bring that spotlight into how women can not just struggle through and survive, but actually thrive through their different stages of life. And these stories that we share can help to break that down and help women to feel that they're in solidarity, not isolation. So by sharing these stories, we get to take away any shame, any guilt and anything that keeps us feeling small. Instead, we celebrate the resilience of women. And that's something I feel massively strong about. And that's why I've created my inner resilience method around how we get to do that. And I teach that to all of my one-to-one clients. And what's really important around the inner resilience method and how we feel within that is that we can navigate these challenges because challenges will happen throughout life. We never avoid them, but we can certainly look at how that newfound strength in who we are can help us to really overcome. And the collective sharing of experiences that we can have really truly helps us to make those cultural shifts. So if I can ask just one thing that you take away from this episode today is to think about how this has informed or sparked interest or even triggered something within you and I would love for you to act upon that 
share your thoughts either with one other person and feel the ripple effect of that share. Ask them to do the same and let's have more voices speaking. Let's have more conversations flowing and bring in the word that I want to underpin in all of this is safety. Safety here, safety with you, safety for us to talk. It's really important. You are safe to talk, so never feel lost. You get to email me or DM me and have a conversation that I will hold space for you in. You can go to the show notes. You'll find my email address direct to me in there. And it is me you speak with. That's important to me. So segment three in all of this is about the gender pain gap. And with the pain gap, this to me is something that I feel needs an episode in its own right. So I want to bring more to the stage around this. And we will circle back to this one from a place of adenomyosis and endometriosis, potentially even inviting in a beautiful guest that I know will add so much value to sharing her own experiences of struggling through, surviving with, and then thriving at the other side of these conditions. So until that episode arrives, I invite you to think upon, feel and experience what has come through this episode for you as a powerful person that gets to go and share with at least one other person what has come through for you in this episode. Please make sure you share this episode. The more that you share, the more we grow. The more we grow, the more women we reach. The more women we reach, the more lives are changed and you have then played a massive role in that ripple effect of changing lives. How incredible does that feel? So my invitation to you today is to take this episode, to share it with one other person in your life. It does not matter what gender they are or how they show up or who they want to become. That's irrelevant in this because this is a human being thing that needs to be discussed. So your role, in fact, your mission, should you choose to accept it, is to take this episode and share it far and wide with at least one other person. And if you are not already part of our beautiful community, please do make sure that you are subscribed so that you can get early access to all future episodes, including that next one around the gender pain gap, where we will be diving into adenomyosis and endometriosis in women's health and pain barriers. So thank you so much from the bottom of my heart for tuning in to another episode this week. And until next week, stay strong, stay loud, stay proud, and please use the words vulva and vagina from now on. I truly hope this episode has sparked something vibrant inside of you. I ask only one thing, to help keep these episodes coming, please subscribe and share with another in your life. That's how we reach more women worldwide and we help them step into their power because together we are working to remove any of the stigma and taboo that surrounds menopause. This does not need to be a daunting, a scary, a taboo time in anyone's life. So together, let's make menopause mainstream.